This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. world outside your window may not be so great, but here on Post Show Recaps, everything is Superman. It's everything is super covering Superman. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm back and oh, I promise I won't eat any snakes, no snakes to be consumed by <laughs> yours truly as I return to the podcast. You hear him laughing. He is the, the Lex Luthor to my Kal-El. Yeah, wow. that's right, Kevin. Wow. I'm Superman, and you're Lex Luthor. Well, you know, you know, you know what the number 200 has in common, Josh? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. What's the, what's the name of his? Mr. Smucker! Mr. Smucker! And yeah. uh, Otis, <laughs> the idiot. <laughs> the Otis, the idiot. Oh, my God. First of all, Kevin, how are you? Just how you doing? I mean, this right here, I'm doing great. I'm doing this, super, this, man. I'm this. so pumped about this happening again. I'm so excited about the fact that you and I are back together here on this podcast talking about my favorite superhero, uh, one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is momentous. Uh, I've missed you dearly. Uh, I've certainly I've missed our chats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the last time I was on here before the feedback special, I got all sappy. I was like, Kevin, we saved each other here during this. I know. And and there's like the rare moment of like actually being nice to each other. And now <laughs> we're back. So like we can just, you know, uh, tear each other apart. Of course, uh, we just go at it here. Let's take everything <laughs> for granted uh, as we, as we return. But I was really excited because, like, we kept talking not as much as we've been talking, but we kept talking in the off season about like, well, what will it look like on the other side of uh, of Falcon the Winter Soldier? Especially as like it became clear to me that like, okay, I'm I'm going in on podcasting, so I'll mm-hmm. be back. Um, what should we do? And like, there was a brief moment because we've been talking about. Everything is baddie for yeah. a long time. Like the, everything is Batman is is low hanging fruit for us in like an off season MCU moment. Um, but there was just like this perfect window of four shots at the podcast where like we have like four spots to fill before we start getting into like Loki preview mode. And we'll actually in this podcast, I think maybe preview a little bit of what Loki looks like because there's been some news on that front to date this podcast. Um, but like it just like hit me. I was like, Kevin, I think this is probably the time to do Superman if you want to do Superman. 
Yeah, and of course my response is like, of course I want to do Superman. Yeah, like a very classic Kevin Supermans. <laughs> like, are you kidding? I was ecstatically you you came great, to me with this. My favorite thing about you, Kevin, is like you are so singular in voice that like I hear <laughs> you when I read you. Uh, and so like we were like texting or we were on the Discord or something like that. We were messaging each other. Uh, and you do like Kevin, like you do like uh, ellipses mm-hmm. uh, for like uh, like uh, dramatic effect of like the when like your like face just like goes blank because like you're waiting to explode with either like positive or negative force. Uh, and, it, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so like there were like the three dots and then you were just like, yes, yes. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it was like the opposite of Superman, like screaming off into the sky to turn yes. back the earth. Uh, Instead of like <laughs> rocketing to the sky in fury, I'm just like jumping for joy. I'm doing the smile in the sky at the end. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, okay, so I guess we'll do Superman. That's how we'll come back. It makes sense. It's a little bit past the one year mark of the everything is super uh, anniversary now at this point. The a couple months. Just fits. <laughs> it just fits. It's time to do everything as Superman. Like it's yeah. right there. Uh, and of course, there will always be other opportunities to talk about Superman because there are other Superman movies other than the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. But these next four podcasts are intended to be focused on the Christopher Reeve Superman movies one, two, three, and four. That quest for peace. Uh, but we are also open to Superman feedback generally. Like if you've got mm-hmm. stuff you want to talk about in other presentations of Superman or the comic books, dare I say it, the Snyder cut, like if there's stuff from like those eras that you want to get into our channels of communication are available to you. Super at post show recaps.com remains open for business. We are open to any and all Superman feedback. Please send it in. Of course, you can always tweet at us as well. I'm at Rand Howard. Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. I, I definitely want to emphasize that, right? Like, this is focused on the Chris Reeve films. Um, that's what we're mainly going to be talking about. But it's, um, it's going to be impossible to not at least touch on certain things. You can't talk about Chris Reeve's performance or at least referencing other performances. So I think, you know, stuff like that's going to come up excited to answer questions if you have about other you know superman media those will come eventually but like josh said the feedback is open to all superman um so definitely send it in definitely ask your questions uh don't ask me uh you know um no i have a definitive answer chris reeve is the best superman Superman. that's easy that's easy that's easy yeah come on it's obviously christopher (laughs) reeve this isn't like no, all due respect to Tim Daly, this isn't a Kevin Conroy situation. You know, mm-hmm. like this is like Christopher Reeve is the best Superman. Christopher Reeve is like as iconic as it gets in terms of like relation to a superhero. I think it's like, I don't know, like you could argue like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, certainly for like a modern era. Um, but like Christopher Reeve as Superman and just like this beacon of hope is ridiculous. It's just like unmatchable. I don't know how you really even attempt to touch it. Um, and I'm really pumped will, about talking about that aspect as we get yes. into it. But we're not starting quite there yet. We're starting a little bit somewhere else. Yes. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Superman. We'll talk about Superman one specifically today, and like the road to Christopher Reeve. Because I was telling Kevin we were texting, and I was like, it takes 49 minutes before you see Christopher Reeve. I guess not mm-hmm. 49 minutes until you hear Christopher Reeve. Yes, that's true. You hear him a lot earlier as you hear him dubbing over young, 
young Clark Kent. Uh, yes. Not baby uh, Clark Jeff Kent. East. Jeff East mm-hmm. is the young man playing uh, teenage Clark Kent. The thankless job as Christopher Reeve just uh, dubs over him, I guess. Uh, I, I had not realized that, but that's hysterical. Uh, I believe he also voices the boy, the baby boy version of Superman 2, Christopher Reeve. No? Really? You know, like when the kid... Yeah, when the kid is like lifting up the truck and he says, oh. "Hey, hey, ma, hey, dad," that's yeah, Christopher Reeves. That, uh, that's voice. also him. He has he has a real good yeah, range. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, you're talking to us. You're lifting up a car." He's like, "I know, isn't it cool? Really it's great, crazy. Moment. <laughs> underrated moment. Uh, very uh, expressive vocal range from Christopher Reeve. Very uh, talented in, in this movie. No, excited to talk about him. Like, obviously, like such a legendary life, uh, enormous tragedy in his life, and I think such a model about um like how to uh how to like live in in the wake of like unimaginable tragedy like i think like he's like an on-screen and off-screen hero uh christopher reeve so uh just like to get to like i don't know like uh like uh, like scrape our brains against his legacy at all you know is 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 really an honor so i'm i'm really hyped about this before we get into it some housekeeping stuff as i mentioned at the top of this um we are uh, we are we are talking about Superman for the for the next four weeks, but we will get back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are going to get to Loki um, to to put a, a date on this. Kevin and I are recording this podcast on May seventh, twenty twenty one, which is just a couple of days following an announcement that um, the Marvel Disney Plus shows are moving from Fridays to two days earlier in the week, or at the very least, that's going to be the case for Loki. The The next launch, which was planned for a June 11th drop, is now going to be a June 9th drop. So you got everything is super in your Monday feeds for the next four weeks. But after we're done with Superman, um, everything is super is going to shift to uh, Fridays. I feel like everything is super, like, we love to shift around. We've never had like that like one dedicated yeah. date. It's always been uh, dependent on all the stuff being recorded. It's a very mischievous schedule and has become more mischievous thanks to Loki, clearly, um, yeah. which I think is you know very apropos. But the game plan is that we will be recording those Loki podcasts on uh, Thursday nights. Uh, so we have like a day to process the episodes and then we will drop them ASAP on Fridays, which is the same day we drop down the hatch. So it's a really powerful Friday coming your way. Um, and the game plan here is we will be talking about Superman um, over the next several Mondays. So that's May 10th, May 17th, May 24th, and May 31st will be Superman 4 and our Superman wrap-up show. And then we will come your way that same week with our first Loki show. We'll do a Loki preview uh, and sort of just like MCU resetter probably uh, on June 4th, that podcast will drop. So just to give you uh, some programming notes on the everything is super front. Additionally, this is probably a good time, Kevin, to say that by the time people are listening to this, they can go and listen to you and I doing a bonus episode That's of everything right. is super, uh, where you and I are talking about something that is like Superman adjacent, uh, I think in the form of Amazon's invincible based on the Robert Kirkman, uh, and Corey Walker comic book of the same name, superhero Ryan Otley coming in later uh, as Ryan artist. Otley uh, instrumental to the success of of that comic. Absolutely, uh, just a ridiculous comic that uh, has become uh, this uh, adult oriented animated hour long for Amazon 
that uh, spanned eight episodes for its first season. It's been renewed for seasons two and three. Uh, we did not get to cover that weekly. I don't know. Maybe at some point in the future for seasons two and three, if there is demand for it, I would be open to it because I loved the show. But at the very least, Kevin and I wanted to talk about it a little bit. So that's up in the patron feed for the patrons of Post Show Recaps. A little bit of incentive uh, to to consider signing up for the Post Show Recaps Patreon, which, of course, we're always pushing around here. Can you blame us? We're excited about it. We do cool stuff. We do bonus podcasts. We've got a bonus Invincible podcast in that patron feed. $5 a month. Uh, great deal for all the content that you get there. Consider signing up patreon.com slash recaps If you're interested, if you want to hear us talking about Invincible, it is there waiting for your ears, as well as so many other things, including Kevin Mahadeo's weekly Mighty Ducks Game Changers podcast quack, quack. with Melissa Woodward, uh, not Woodwario. I do know how to say it, uh, <laughs> although it's really fun to say Woodwario. Uh, but you're doing great stuff on, on the Mighty Ducks front. We released that um, preview podcast in the Post Show Recaps main feed this past week. In case you didn't know that Kevin does a Mighty Ducks Game Changers podcast, we wanted to let you know it's for the patrons of Post Show Recaps, and it is quacktastic, quite, it's quite frankly. Very fun to do. Uh, we're, Melissa and I are huge fans of the uh, movies and that first podcast that we released is movie specific. So if you just wanted to hear us talk about the movies, that's the one to check out. We wanted to release it to the public. But of course, if you wanted to uh, continue to follow us along about the show, which we've been really, really enjoying uh, watching, definitely check that out by joining up on the Patreon at that $5 level. Uh, you can get access to all that quackity quack quack goodness <laughs> quack quack mr ducksworth quack quack oh my god yeah and i also want to mention that we do have an incentive uh for people to sign up for the post show recaps patreon right now uh it's a crazy thing that i have decided to put out there as a goal uh again as of this recording as of this recording kevin Mahadeo, we are 22 patrons away from reaching 500 patrons of post show recaps a staggering number just it's absolutely amazing. incredible uh, i never thought we would get to this point that we're this close uh, is incredible <laughs> and like uh, you know i i'm a realist i understand it, it 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 may not happen now it may not happen in in the next few weeks it may take uh you know longer than that but we will get there someday and it's going to be incredible but just to like put a little bit of like a ticking time bomb element to the push towards 500 because it would be great to get there this month. There is extra incentive if you sign up at patreon.com slash recaps at that $5 level today. If we hit 500 patrons of PSR by the end of May, your boy, Josh Wiggler, that's me, I am your boy, will be doing a podcast about the first season of 24. That's right. 24 season one podcast. Rewatch podcast. Potentially first watch podcast for my co-host. Uh, and by potentially, I mean it's a first watch podcast. I'll leave it vague for now, though. I may have more specifics on that front before too long. But Kevin, I know that you're a huge 24 fan. Oh, yes. Uh, I was... I came into 24 slightly late, but I I remember I was uh we went to Blockbuster and got the DVDs and we did that thing 
where my sister and I sat down to watch it and we put the DVDs in and then we just watched them one after the other after the other after the other. I don't know other. how many times I've watched those first three seasons especially. Uh, They're so lot. good. The first, the well, first one especially. <laughs> well, the first one especially. They're ridiculous. The second season, not great. Uh, but the third one yeah. I remember liking. It's like I'm trying to track. I remember... Four is intense because of how it starts off. Well, but that's season I, five, I think you're thinking of, but no spoilers. Oh, well, it is four for sure. 100%. Yes. yes, yes, I re- yes. Then I remember really liking four because I thought it was like a really nice ending considering how five starts off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a huge fan of that show and it's really fun. We talked about it often to see you now go back. I'm curious myself to see well, what your reaction is going to be. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, because if it happens because, because it's up this, to others, it, not it, us. It is a limited time offer. Limited time offer. I'm I'm going full-time podcaster. Uh, by signing up for the Patreon, you're directly supporting my ability to do these podcasts here on Post Show Recaps. Uh, I don't think it's asking too too much to like maybe consider being one of those like 20 22 people that we need right now to get to that number 500 to get to that other number 24 if we hit 500 patrons by the end of may i'll do the 24 season one that's what i'm promising season one not promising beyond season one season one of 24 i'll do a weekly podcast about 24 season one definitely the best season of the show and it's really not even close uh and if we don't hit that number all good, no sweat, no worries, but I'm not doing the podcast. Maybe there will be like another point in time where like I'll try it out like, hey, do you guys still want that 24 podcast? But it certainly won't happen imminently. Uh, so it is a limited time offer. Think about it. If that sounds like a fun podcast, Post Show Recaps was born on the back of a few different shows, including The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and if you can believe it, Kevin, 24 Live Another Day. That bonus season oh, of 24. <laughs> Back in the day, Rob Sesternino and I uh, recapped that show. And in the lead up to recapping that show, I watched an entire season of 24 every single week and reported back to Rob about what I found. That was like our road to 24. Those are some of the very first podcasts we ever did on post show recap. So. Uh, I am uh, like an out and proud or not quite proud anymore 24 fan. I have a lot of nostalgia for the show that I think it's directly challenged by re-engaging the show, but I would love to re-engage the show and I would love to talk that through. Uh, if that sounds fun to you, you can directly help make that happen. Patreon.com slash post show recap. So that is our There's big only, patron uh... push. Yeah, there's only one thing about season one that I think doesn't hold up to the rest of the series, which is the fact that it does not have Freddie Prince Jr. in it. <laughs> oh, well, oh my God, that's for another time. That, uh, is, that is for another day. Where did Freddie Prince Jr. ever do anything Superman related? He would strike me as somebody who's done some, uh, let's see, Freddie Prince Jr. Superman. I don't uh, think he's turned anything. anything up. No, yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't done anything Superman directly related. He's a huge nerd. He's done a lot of voice work, um, oh, yeah. especially in video games. Um, he's, he's instrumental on. to Star Wars Rebels. I know. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Freddie yeah. Prince Jr. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> but that is also so, yeah. a different I'm, podcast for a different day. I'm surprised that he hasn't done a, a Superman voiceover at any point in time. Uh, that feels like something that would have happened by now, but it apparently has not. What is about to happen is this. Uh, brum, brum, brum. Ba <laughs> ba
wah, 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 wah. Come on, Kevin, anytime. Wah, 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 wah. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing okay. to this theme song that's so Superman. iconic to me? What is happening? What Superman. are you doing? <laughs> Kevin, I was a, a young warthog. Uh, there is <laughs> there is uh, there is photographic proof of me as a baby boy could not be older than two years old. Uh, like the the age of a young Asher Bloom, um, in like full Superman regalia, uh, standing in front of a TV in my in my living room uh, in the house I lived in until I was three. So that really locates me. Uh, and uh, like I just would not, I would never stop like changing in and out of that Superman costume. I was obsessed. That movie, there is a there is a sense memory that I possess for the Christopher Reeve Superman era that I have not really revisited in probably decades at this point um that it's like you know that like those like those like pieces of art that are just like they are part of your dna that's what this movie feels like to me like re-watching it this week getting ready for it, it's like there's a lot that i that i don't like remember or have like instant recall for but in the same way that like young kal-el is like in like the shuttle being like imbued with all of the knowledge and warm words of his father like I feel like that happened to me with Superman, and that was like what I was experiencing watching this movie this week. Kevin, it was a very special experience going back and watching Superman. I'm so happy that you had that experience. I, I mean, to say Superman is in my DNA is, is I guess, an understatement. Like, I watched Superman, I think, the first time I was four years old. Uh, my grandmother showed it to me. Uh, she's pretty much the one who kind of got me into superhero stuff I, I think accidentally like she she liked christopher reeve hence we watched that movie uh she liked the incredible hulk tv show uh because i believe she liked bill bixby the actor so that's how i started watching that but like superman the movie is like the first piece of real superhero content i saw at a very young age and it hooked me into it and i don't think i would be here as I am loving comic books as much as I do, you know, guy got interested in journalism because of it. Like it really influenced so many bits and pieces of my life. And I have seen this movie many, many times over. Uh, so I'm pretty familiar with it. And for me, it's a constant, like I think presence, you know, in my life, like I have so much superhero or Superman, um, you know, um, merchandise and collectibles in my pocket memorabilia in my pocket i have a superman chain uh i don't wear chains so i just keep it in my pocket (laughs) uh as my like little charm you're drinking coffee out of a superman mug i'm drinking coffee out of a superman mug yeah it's it's a huge part of my life like this character it really defines so much about me and 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 is so iconic to not just me so many people around the world uh and this movie really started and shaped it and Part of me is was nervous to be like, oh, God, what are people going to think? Because it's hard for me to also separate that. Right. Like that memory, that that feeling, that connection, that nostalgia is so hard to separate. And I'm happy that it mostly does hold up, I think, rather well. The things that are good. It's not a perfect movie, but it has so many perfect pieces uh, to it. And there's one just, I think, linchpin that we talked about already here. That is the perfection that helps, I think stand these movies up uh even to this day yeah that's uh obviously you're talking about uh otis clearly (laughs) (laughs) what would we be without otis (laughs) or the moment where lex Luthor rips his wig off (laughs) it is i lex Luthor, the greatest criminal 
<laughs> Those are some of the pieces that I think are imperfect, and I'm going to be glad to talk about them. But it's no. crazy because, like, even though I, I don't like Otis, right? I think that actor was doing the best at what he was clearly brought in to do. And I think so many of the actors in this movie are exceptional in doing exactly what it is that they are there to do in these roles. Well, it's a it's a ridiculous cast mm-hmm. uh, for sure. You know, just like in insane, like legendary heavyweights, Marlon Brando. Yeah, we start with God- Marlon Brando, <laughs> the, the Godfather. I believe that's how he the, the Godfather, right? I that's think that's it. it. Right? Yeah, the power broker, uh, Marlon oh, Brando. <laughs> Uh, as Jor-El, Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve even gets third billing, um, at least according to to, mm-hmm. to Wiki. That is accurate. Um, uh, I don't know if this is... if Is that by billing? And Margot Kidder gets really buried. Uh, at, <laughs> no pun... Literally no pun intended. Uh, ah, <laughs> I truly da, didn't mean da, 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 da. it. <laughs> ha, uh, as Lois Lane. Uh, like It's just like insane stacked cast. Even like Ned Beatty is is a is a terrifying person, right? He's from uh, in Deliverance, uh, mm-hmm. like you know, just like a exceptional cast uh, a- across the board that really uh, sells the movie. Like, really, I think like adds to this idea that this movie is like it's a BFD. Like, Superman is a- an iconic character. Uh, there's the 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 George Reeves TV show uh, yes. that has been off the air at this point for at least 10 years i would guess at least 10 years at this point and there was the it's a british playing a superman musical which we don't want to talk about um that that happened but it was also like this movie is a big deal and they got big heavy hitters because this was richard donner coming in was trying to do something different right like so many like between it's a the george reeves superman, superman movie uh superman show was definitely ended at this point uh because yeah. i forgot that he had he had you died. forgot how it ended <laughs> okay. yeah uh, well, that's unfortunate yep i think you yes. know now you remember yes, you googled yes, it yes but yes yes um but like you look at the stuff that was main public knowledge about superheroes and you do have this goofy element right like you have the batman adam west of it all you just superheroes are silly goofy especially coming off of the silver age of comics which is comics are for kids um and they wanted to do this thing to show that superheroes can be serious as you can make superhero movies that are you know not just goofy uh stuff for kids that can have this element of groundedness to it um and it's funny to say grounded in this because like this movie also with its special effects. I mean, the tagline was you would believe a man could fly. And like, it just did so much to, I think bring superheroes into the public eye in a different way. Like without this movie, I don't think you're going to get Batman 89. I don't think you're going to get, you know, Chris Nolan. I don't think you're going to get the MCU. Eventually this really shaped what the possibilities of superheroes are. Uh, and it, it you got to bring a big cast for that or else the public is going to think it's a joke, right? Like you need names that people are going to be like, Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, how do you, how do you cast Superman? Right? Like, how do you, how do you do that? It's such a, it's such a big character. It's just like, it's impossible to like, I think that this has been a big modern problem. Um, for I think reasons yes. that maybe were were different than uh, they were at the time. Like I think you need to like it's almost like you you have to have so many legendary actors in the mix and then someone basically unknown as Superman 
so that like this alien force uh, representing truth, justice in the American way just like flies into this story and completely commands it like almost like this, this truly like a UFO. It's like, what is that? What's that up in the sky? Like it has mm-hmm. to emulate that Superman quality. And so I think that this is why, like if you're ever to like try and like fan cast Superman now and like, you know, the, the state of that's a little unclear. We don't know if Henry Cavill's ever going to do it again. Uh, there are, there's the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman movie that is in development right now. And we don't know who's going to be that character. Like, I think like when you try to like fan cast it, that's trap. Cause it's not a kind of thing where like you could, you like, you get like, someone who is like relatively known for stuff as Superman and it works. Like the key is that like Superman is like undefinable new, like a disruptor in, in things. And I think that Christopher Reeves casting is, is really smart on that level because he's surrounded by just like so many incredible actors. But then there's just Christopher Reeve himself. who's just um, utterly perfect as, as everything that I want out of Superman, though, as I say those words, Kevin, I realize that it's the snake eating its own tail, not to bring that up again too soon. Uh, Mike is cringing somewhere. Yeah. uh, (laughs) The the gagging is real. Uh, Because, like, I realize that for me, like, everything that I think about Superman, everything that I think about what he should be and what he stands for is um, undeniably and impossibly tied up in Christopher Reeve's Superman. Yeah, and I think that's for sure. And I do have this idea, like, because and I, I do think it's defined by Christopher Reeve, but I think it's defined because he nailed exactly what Superman needs to be. But I will say, before we get deep into this, there are listeners, like, we, we've done this before, right? When we've done the MCU stuff, well, this is that's so recent that we're like, people have seen these movies, they know them. And so there might be a few people who have not seen the Superman movie, who maybe haven't gotten a chance to watch it before this podcast. So, Josh, you are very good, uh, and I say those words with a smile on my face, at doing recaps of movies in a very fast-paced manner. So let's start off with a quick, quick recap here of what happens in Superman the movie. All right, so this will not be, like, exactly beat for beat, but, like, in case you didn't watch it, like, this is just, like, general summary of uh, uh, Neil before general summary. Uh, <laughs> who is General Lee summary? Uh, this will generally summarize. Who is General Lee summarized? The plot of the movie, Superman 1, the 1978 film. So we begin in Krypton. We begin in space. We begin with, like, flying credits for a long time. You probably skipped that. A while. On HBO Max. Uh, although maybe like if you do want the full experience, just like sit through it and just like get be a, a wash. I say a wash in the score because uh, that is. Oh, God, it's the stuff. It's it's the it's the stuff. The John Williams score is just absolutely remarkably incredible. It's iconic. And so I can't think Superman so without thinking that. It's the iconic john williams score it's the credits and then you stay in space and you travel to what appears to just be like this ice planet uh which is really just like covered in crystal and like you're you're it's aerial we're like moving in slowly you're hearing the horns more incredible john like i i swear to god kevin as i was watching it Ah, I was like exploding internally. Like the, what was what's about to happen to Krypton was like what was happening inside of me as I was just like melting uh, at the at the like this like it's just the the visual 
audio soundscape, like the the way it all melds together is just spectacular. But like you start without a sign of Superman, without a sign of Kal El. You start with Jor-El, his father, the godfather, Jor-El, uh, who is putting uh, some some Kryptonian traitors on blast. Uh, these people who have tried to uh, incite insurrection uh, at one moment in in time. Uh, this is General Zod, and who are his uh, his lieutenants? There's Nan and Ursa. Ursa and Nan. Ursa, Ursa who has a sick sadistic mind as well, and Nan, who of course is a speechless monster. <laughs> yeah, Nan doesn't say anything, uh, and so like they were trying to uh, they were trying to take control. It was a coup. It failed. Jorel is the last deciding vote, uh, and General Zod is like, if if it all falls down to you, Jorel. And if you decide to condemn me, I'm going to blame you specifically. And Jarrell's <laughs> like, if that's not going to work, man. I'm good. Like, I don't believe that. Plus, I'm sending you into the Phantom Zone, and I'm not that concerned. Uh, and so he just, like, puts General Zod on blast. This flying, uh, uh, this flying piece of plexiglass sails through uh, space and apparently scoops up the three renegade Kryptonians. And it flies away. I remember that indelibly as a child, Kevin, being terrified at that image. It's like, what yeah. the hell? Human, but like as a two-year-old, three-year-old, whatever. Like, be, humans don't, uh, the bodies don't work like that. That's not okay. No. And it's it's uh, cool because, it, and this is also interesting, and I'm, I'm going to be excited to talk about this at the end, because this part could feel so disconnected. If you if you don't know, like, wait, why is Zod in this? Isn't he the second one? Like, if you know vague stuff, but it's interesting that that's in there. Also, Terrence Stamp in this moment, just even in this small scene where he's there just yelling at Jarell, as you mentioned, or just like, you will kneel before me, Jarell. Like, it's just so great. Uh, clearly, Michael Shannon was, you know, channeling a lot of that, except turned it up to 11. Yeah, <laughs> as Michael Shannon is, is want to do. So after that, and it's like, hey, what's that doing in this movie? It's like, oh, well, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, the Zod is gone, never to be seen again in this movie. Terrence Stamp, unbelievable. Uh, again, iconic. Uh, as we continue on, and Jorel's like, so listen, everyone, like, our planet's gonna blow up. We've got 30 days, and I think it's likely we have less than that. And everyone's like... <laughs> Oh, Jarrell. Oh my God. What are you what are you talking about, you crazy guy? He's like, look, I know I look ridiculous. My hair is white and floofy, and my suit is <laughs> so is, floofy. Is glowing like a splotch on a shirt under a black light. It is bad, but you have to trust me. Everything is is not Superman. Like this is going to be bad. And they're just like, ah, Jarrell. You know, uh, I, I don't know why you're why you're why you're going off like this. Uh, and Jarrell's like, ah, oh, you fools. So he it's so funny. Sorry to, to, to just no. pause for a moment on that, yeah. because this scene is so hilarious because like as a kid, you have that like in, in growing up, you're just like, this is so stupid. Why are those council members on Krypton such idiots? Like the end mm-hmm. of the world is coming and they just don't believe him. They don't believe the science about this. And now I'm just like, oh, yes. I, I see what had happened there. Like, you just realize how sadly accurate uh, that is um, for 
our current existence, but that's all I'll it, say. It's it, just very It amusing. maps, it tracks, mm-hmm. it certainly does. Across the decades and across the stars, it tracks. Uh, so Jorel and his wife, Lara, am I pronounced Lara? Yes, Lara. Lara. Uh, Jorel and Lara are like, well, well, we can't get out of here. Uh, we only have access to this one tiny little uh, spacecraft. Uh, just the one. That's all we got. We're gonna put baby baby Kal-El in there. That's like it. That's that, all they had. But this is a, this is one of those Superman things that are wild because in the comics, like they've come up, try to come up with reasons about like what, why why didn't he build a rocket for himself? And it's just like timing. It, this was just a test rocket. I do sort Ms. of test like rocket? what they did here, Miss Test Rocket. <laughs> Lara, prepare the test rocket. Um, <laughs> I like. What they do here is that he swore to the council, I promise neither me or my wife will leave this planet. So he kept his promise, basically, is what it boils down to. It's just like, uh, we won't leave, but I will shoot my son off into space. You yes, know? yes. Uh, it's just, it's tremendous. Uh, so they do that, and they watch in, in pride as Kal-El is shipped across, uh, and, and uh, Krypton, as Jor-El described, just like, Horribly destroyed. Horribly, horribly yeah. destroyed. Uh, big bada dev- boom. Devastating destruction. Big bada boom indeed. No hope of survival for anyone who is, uh, who is still on there. Um, though potentially, depending on uh, uh, which stories you read, other Kryptonians. I was about to say, yeah. in the comics, it's a whole other beast, but we'll skip that for yeah. now. Uh, there's like a thousand other, yeah, whatever. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's comic book stuff. Uh, although lightly some Supergirl stuff, I think it is in continuity, the Supergirl movie from the 80s, no? Yes, it does tie into this. Uh, yeah. But again, that's a whole other beast. I don't think we're hitting that. Maybe we could uh, round it up in feedback. I don't know that I've ever seen it before. That's don't a podcast so. for a different day. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so Kal-El in like, his little starship going across... Uh, the universe eventually crash lands on Earth where Ma and Pa Kent find uh, this, this naked little baby. It's just like full naked little baby. Pretty iconic that they just like show you like naked little Superman in this movie. Oh yeah, movie. just coming on, coming on out, just no clothes baby and you're just like oh oh my oh, oh no. Oh! <laughs> uh, Emily was watching with me uh, and she's like, excuse me? <laughs> she was watching and I think the thing that upset her the most are we on a list right now what just yeah, happened I think the thing that upset her the most was, was less that like he was he was in his birthday suit and more like the way he kind of like raises his arms up at them and just like sort of like yeah. does mm-hmm. like this weird little wave at them and has like this very strange smile on his face as he's not saying or making any noises at all despite my uh, joke earlier that Christopher Reeve dubs him he doesn't he says nothing it is like a very uh, unsettling sight gag uh, as we meet him for the first time. It's interesting, too, because like there's probably maybe. I, so there's this whole thing, too, about like Superman is like Jesus, which I don't ascribe to, especially like it's a modern interpretation. And like, I think him raising his hands, some people might be like, isn't that it? And I'm like, no, he's a baby. He's looking, reaching up to like hold me because your parents like it's very clear from the fact that Superman was created by Jewish immigrants, and this is a story about people who send a baby to another place that's found by another couple. He is Moses. So it's even also this other weird level to it when people yeah. are like, he's Jesus. I'm like, you, 
the character created by Jewish immigrants, you were going to say is Jesus. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. But yeah, I always found that very amusing. But he like shows off like they wrap him up and stuff. They're like, this isn't great. We've got to figure out where his parents are. Oh, God, we've got the flat tires. It's going to be hard. And he's like, I got that. And he just lifts up the car. And he, again, mm-hmm. just has, like, the look on his face. I would have loved the adventures of uh, baby Superman. Joshua, I am glad you said this, because Super Baby is a thing. <laughs> of course. The Silver Ranger comics is the most psychotically bizarre <laughs> era of comic books in existence. And uh-huh. I, I, as a kid, I, I, I guess, like, as a teen, I hated the Silver Age because I found it so goofy. And now as an adult, I enjoy it because it's so stupid. But, like, legit... Super Baby is real. Superman flying around in like a baby costume. And I'm not even talking about like how young Josh Wiggler was like a toddler in it. No, no, no. Straight up baby in a costume doing oh adventures. Yeah, I'm into it's, it. it's insanity. So it's funny you said that. But for anyone wondering, that was real. Um, so the actor who played baby Clark Kent mm-hmm. is named Aaron Smolinski. Um, who is going to go on to, uh, uh, we will see stock footage of him in Superman 2. Uh, there's also an alternate take of him in the Richard Donner cut, which I know we will uh, discuss next week as yep. well. Um, he's in Superman 3. Yes, uh, I know the scene. Credited as, credited as Boy at Photo Booth. Uh, mm-hmm. And then additional credits include Wishmaster 3 Beyond the Gates of Hell. Oh, what a, uh, uh, what a good one. Uh, MVP Most Valuable Primate. Uh, and a 2007 movie that I quickly scanned and read as Cats, but is instead Carts, in which he plays Seth. Uh, he's also in uh, a, a short film called Revelations, playing someone named Clark Reeves. I got to imagine that's Superman adjacent. Uh, and he is a communications officer and a cameo, I assume, in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. That's that's actually I didn't know about the Man of Steel one, because I was going to say there's a really nice picture online of this because like we were talking about this. This baby was a baby then. So now he's like 45, right? Like, so he's it's actually like he's an adult. He's not that much older than us. Um, so there's this nice picture of him as an adult with uh, Henry Cavill. That I thought was really nice. Yes, uh, that's cool. So, yeah, the legacy, it continues. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
the story continues. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Kent, Martha Kent, save Martha, not this time, uh, are, are going to raise young Clark. We, we move forward in time. Like we've gone from like the, just like utterly, uh, like I, I'm, I really am failing for words to describe just how moved I am by the visual and sonic scape of, uh, of Krypton. It just, it blew me away. But I'm like kind of equally blown away by like the depiction of Smallville. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like stunningly rendered, just like the Flatlands. Exactly, it feels as flat as Kansas would be. And we were like talking, like, is this actually Kansas? Right, like that it was filmed in. It's, apparently, it's, like, it's Alberta. Yeah, yeah I believe that. Feels, like, I've never been know. to Kansas. I have no idea. But like, it feels like what I would think Kansas would be like based yes. on you know, yeah. Like, but, but like stunning, like stunningly shot. It looks so hot. Did it look hot to you? <laughs> I just feel like maybe we think that because we haven't seen the sun in a long time because we've been stuck inside. I know. Just like, Sunlight I'm, looks hot. We can't go I know. out there. I'm, I'm slowly going back outside uh, and it is a strange experience. I got to be honest, it's taking me a minute, one foot in front of the other. Uh, shout out to everybody else who's struggling with this. Um it it's 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 wild it's just like it looks beautiful uh young clark this time he's played by jeff east uh is the teenage clark kent um and like he's just like he's got that energy of the kid who's like i know i can do all of these things and no one's letting me do all these things my parents are telling me i shouldn't show off that i've got all these strange skills and i just gotta be the bobby boucher mm-hmm. uh, like no one's letting me be the quarterback i'm the water boy it's not fair uh he runs against a train I love that scene uh, so much. It's mm-hmm. such an iconic moment for me, I think, as a kid, just seeing Superman like running beside the train. Of course, the little girl uh, seeing him. And this is funny because there are changes um, for the film. And originally, there was this scene where they were going to try to say that the, the girl was Lois Lane, but then the age just doesn't line up at all. So I'm glad that that was cut. But the, the parents on the train of that little girl is actually Kirk Allen and, um, oh God, uh, Noel Noel, who who are the OG um, Superman and Lois, so I thought that was really fun uh, that they had that little cameo in there. But that that's just such a cool scene. Like I just imagine yeah. like running beside the train, right? It, it's doing it's faster than a speeding bullet, but like that idea of like faster than a locomotive was the original saying, and so I thought that that was really awesome to to have that, you know? Yeah, for sure, totally agreed. Uh, but like he he like he shows up some classmates because they're supposed to be the party that uh lana lang invited him to uh another another important comic book character who i don't think we see anything else of her in the christopher reeve movies do we, we well joshua i will okay. say this to you remember lana okay. and remember that name brad remember that for later okay fair enough not yes. for today not for today but okay for soon <laughs> Okay, sounds good. Uh, but he goes home, and his his dad's like, "Come on, man, what do we tell you?" He's like, "Oh, but it's so fun. Why can't I do it?" He's like, "You gotta be better than that, Clark. Uh, you gotta be better. You're very special, very special boy, very special boy." Is <laughs> that your pocket? Yeah, my pocket. No, my pocket's coming. Uh, <laughs> and and so he's like, "Why don't we, Clark? Why don't we? I guess this is my pocket." Uh, Clark, we'll play with the horses, Clark. We'll go, <laughs> we'll go to the barn and play with the animals, Clark. We'll run later. And Clark's like, "I'll be, I'll beat you there, foot race." Uh, last one there, and he like he takes off at a light jog, and Pa Kent just like lightly jogs after him. And poor Pa Kent 
uh, stops in his tracks, and this is the death of of Jonathan Kent, which is very very sad and important. Uh, and uh, I I messaged you, Kevin, that like I I couldn't help but just be like I love that like the way that Pa Kent dies in this is he like he knows it's happening. He goes, I mean, he's I like, feel like, oh, he goes, oh no. I mean, he knows he has a bad heart, right? Like, I feel like, I feel like that you can sense death coming for you, right? Like, I think that's what you said. You love the podcast. Just love the way it's the way it's expressed in the movie is wild to me. Where just goes, not now. Uh, But it's upsetting. It's very upsetting. It is, and I, you know, Josh, you and I have talked about this. I think a little bit, and I, it's just. To say, you know, it's funny because we're just like, we're going to do a summary, but then uh, I keep interrupting. So here we are. Whatever. Nothing goes according to plan. No, this is great. Yeah. But um, this to me, I'm not 100 percent on like Pa Kent needs to to die in in a Superman myth. Uh, You know, like like um, I'm not 100 percent behind that. Like, I think it's okay for the Kents to be. They shake it up sometimes. Right. It's always like this. Yeah. Yeah, and for when I was growing up reading uh, Superman comics, the, the Kents were alive. Uh, but if Pa Kent had to die, this is the only way. Because this is the point, and Clark himself says it. It's, you know, ending of this movie aside, the idea of, like, he has all this power, he has all this strength, he has all these amazing abilities, but he can't do anything about that. And I think that's important, like, a heart attack is the way it has to happen because he can't stop it. There's nothing he can do. Not, he got picked up by a tornado and that's it. Right. Like, while he watched it happen, it just doesn't work. I think there are ways you can make that work if he has to make a choice. And I think if you did that, you know, in in a different movie, like we said, we're going to end up referencing them. But I think if you, that scene could have worked really well in Man of Steel, um, where if you had Pa Kent, basically... He's there and some other family is in danger and Clark is like, I want to save you. And he's just like, no, you have to save them. And he saves them and he's too late to get Pa Kent. That's the other way to do it. You have to make it be a choice like that because Pa Kent is that person. And I think, again, Superman being unable to prevent it is key because he was able to prevent it in Man of Steel. And it's silly that he did it. But uh, this is such a well done moment. I think is, again, quintessential to the Superman mythos. Uh, I think it's really great as well. And I think when you articulated that to me the other day uh, of like, this is something he can't do anything about uh, was, was really powerful. And I think is, um, I think a very like clutch way of demonstrating to someone of Superman's power set, like the frailty of life. Uh, Just how, like how, how, how we live on such thin ice and, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we live on fault lines to put it in the language of the movie and like one hairline fracture can destroy everything. Uh, and I, I think like to push into like those thematics a little bit later on is maybe where the movie loses me. Uh, but we'll talk about that as we get there. Uh, but like, I think that there's a lot to explore there. A lot of really compelling stuff with a character like Superman, who's just like a God, but like even God can't undo certain things, which is, uh, uh, challenged later on in the film um so as a young clark there's the funeral afterwards he discovers he goes back to the barn he discovers uh he discovers the kryptonite 
Right? So it's not... Yeah, this this is a part that I think ends up confusing a I'm lot a little of people. confused about the kryptonite through line in the movie. So what he discovers is like, not... Because Jor-El put like, the green shard yes. in the ship with Superman. Which is essentially like up. a supercomputer. Like, so the shards, those pieces are essentially like USB drives and cool. have like information, AI, all this stuff that he uses to learn about. But the green coloring definitely was just like, but guys... That's the color kryptonite. Why would you do this? Yeah. So it's that either that confuses. or it's mint jelly, and there's not a lot of wiggle room between the two. Yeah, because otherwise he would have eaten it. Yeah, he would have eaten that. Uh, so it's not the harmful kryptonite stuff? No, it's not kryptonite at all. It's just uh, this crystal that essentially is like a USB drive. Okay, uh, And gotcha. that's what he finds in the ship because Jarrell put it in there. So when the time came, he would be able to uh, learn about his uh his true past and true origins so then he tells uh martha that he's gonna leave he needs to go and find out where he's from and he goes on his adventure that eventually leads him to the fortress of solitude um my questions are how does he figure out how to get there where is the fortress of solitude and how did the fortress of solitude get to earth so this is this is actually this is actually really interesting and really big. So the reason he knew to go north was just because there was something like the crystal was glowing enough and like was pulling him and telling him almost subconsciously like you need to go here. And so he was following almost this like messaging like effect from the crystal. And so he knew to go north. The Fortress of Solitude is actually didn't come to Earth. It was like when he threw the crystal, it was built from that crystal formed the fortress. So like it essentially grew from that crystal and everything to form the fortress of solitude. Now, what's really interesting is that this movie, we kind of said, right, like has created a lot of standards for the Superman mythos, including this, right? This. So before this movie, uh, the, you know, in this movie, Superman's fortress of solitude is in the North Pole and has this like North pole, not bowl. And has this like crystalline structure to it before in the comics, Superman didn't have the fortress of solitude there. It was actually in the side of a mountain and he had this giant uh, door and he had this giant key, like a literal giant key that he would lift up and take to the door, unlock it. And so like, we that need to was get your, back to that. I mean, they did bring it back a couple of times and like in the comics, uh, there's some, that's there's like some, some really national cool treasure two stuff. We need it's to bring amazing. that back. It's, yeah. it's wild. Um, but that was what the Fortress of Solitude was back in the day. And then this movie uh, created this and it became the standard. Even the look and feel of Krypton was affected by this movie. Now, me personally, I like the more colorful, bright uh, version of Krypton that has existed in the comics of the past and has become more in modern day. But this movie directly influenced what Krypton became for a long time. Uh, in 1984, they essentially rebooted the Superman uh, stories along with all of DC. And it became closer to this film. Uh, which is which is again so influential on a lot of stuff, um, including right here, the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. Uh, so he goes, and this is where like he gets to hear like you know the messages from beyond the grave from Jarrell, uh, being like, "You're my son, Kalel. I'm so it proud of you. Your son, yeah. your father, Jarrell. Your father, I'm Marlon Brando. Yeah, I'm Marlon Brando. <laughs> uh, what do you want to know, Clark?" <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Your a quote. Brando is yeah. not at all. I'm pretty sure he says, "All right, Clark, sit down. What do you want to know?" Well, like a son, little... ask me about your past. I'll tell you what you need. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you literally everything you need. Oh, come on, I don't got all day. Just kidding. I'm a computer. I could. You could. You could. Uh... 
Well, yeah, you 12 years is how. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so for 12 years, is Clark at the Fortress of Solitude just, like, studying up? Basically, that's how, you know, again, the movie does liberties on certain things, but in, in the in the context of the film, yeah, he goes to the fortress and he essentially spells, spends 12 years learning all about Krypton, all about the universe, the type of information and like about science and math, basically getting the download on the, the level of science, technology and information that Krypton would have. And, and he learned a lot about Earth on the way as a baby, but... This is essentially what happens, showing him his home, showing him his past, uh, and it takes 12 years, basically. Does he ever leave? Uh, in the movie, does it doesn't he, like, go like and get, Does he go and get, like, food? How's he eaten? He does I mean, tell Lois a, later, like, I eat when I'm hungry. Was he just not hungry? He wasn't hungry for 12 years, or <laughs> it was just every now and Joe's then. Joe's like, like, come like, on, sit well, in. Just, I, I supplied yeah. snacks. <laughs> I, or, I ordered some takeout to the North I Pole. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I ordered in. We get great delivery here at the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, it's like, I mean, it's like real like pandemic stuff happening here. It really is. It's funny because like these are the parts Deep too, lockdown. right? That are, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was in hard. You, you can't leave. Hard quarantine. There are things out there. Yeah, uh, Superman's quarantine regimen was probably yeah. pretty intense. It was uh, 12 years of it. So like we can should consider ourselves lucky. He was oh, oh my God. Knocking but, on wood. Knock on wood, but yeah, it's these are the parts of the movie that are weird, right? Like where they do like stuff like this, and I kind of get it where they wanted him to get older and everything. Explain the fact that he no longer looks like uh, like the, the teenager and is now Christopher Reeve, which I also appreciate the fact that they did not put Christopher Reeve to be like because you know how in movies they do that where it's just like sure. he was a teen, and you can't do that with Christopher Reeve because that is a man. Like there's no, I think. Chance of being like, yeah, that's a teen. It's like, no, Christopher Reeve is a man. Like, it would be hard. No passing off there. It would. It would be hard. I mean, he um at that point is not quite thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just mean, look at him. Look at that. That is a that is a man of man's right there. You know what? I I think that they could have done it. I think that he they could have aged him down for sure. I want to give uh, a lot of like props to Christopher Reeve, who I expect could have played it well. The the incredible, um, you know, meme worthy. I I know it's been uh, put in GIF form and circulated online of like him at Lois's uh, incredible apartment, by the way, uh, where he's like <laughs> he's like hunched over, slumped over as Clark, and then she leaves the room and he straightens up and he's clearly Superman. Yep. Like I believe that he had like a third character in him, right? Like I believe that he could have done angsty Clark. We know he has a third character in him because of Superman 3, uh, mm-hmm. raging <laughs> evil alcoholic Superman. <laughs> Uh, so like, I think like he could have done it, but I do think it probably is better this way because the kid, you know, the teenager does a good enough job and the voice work is, you know, that's probably a smart choice. I, I didn't notice it until you told me afterwards. So they, you know, spot on dubbing. Um, but I think it's very helpful because like the next thing you see is like him, you see Christopher Reeve from a distance now, Mm -hmm. uh, as the years have passed and he's now in the Superman uh regalia and he flies slowly at the camera and then like away up up and away and i think like keeping us still at arm's length until we meet him in sort of like that clark kent and and superman binary is probably a really wise move it's that just continues to build up the mythology and i i think you know we're jumping slightly ahead here but i think this movie was very very smart like we talk about the fact that superman really doesn't appear for 
while. But I think it's really important what they did establishing who he is because there are three people there's a clark kent that we see on the farm and growing up and i think it was important to establish who that person is because you can see the connections between that person and the superman we end up seeing when he debuts but we also had to be before superman making his big debut show the contrast of this clark kent we had to have this like nebbish kind of like you know, unassuming person with this like awkwardness to him. And I think having those elements shown first and then showing Superman makes that performance and makes that reveal so much more powerful because you have this moment of just like, holy crap, that was that like that guy. Like it, it works. I think it was very, very smart uh, for them to do that and establish all these little bits and pieces. So when he shows up as Superman, you're like, yeah, that's the same guy, but I see how it's different. Yeah. Um, so, so now we're in like the, now we're in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, even though I think like we've been in the movie and maybe controversial is that like this first portion of the movie is my favorite part. Uh, like everything that That's we've just gone through. Yeah. Cool. Uh, like I think, I think, my, I think my favorite part is, is Christopher Reeve as Clark and Superman. And I think that there's a lot of incredible stuff that he does in this. But my favorite, like, uh, like section of movie is uh, oddly enough, the stuff that he's not in. It's it's interesting because the plot of this film, while it has like obviously the Lex Luthor of it all, the the threat and the structure, um, this movie is the actual those parts of it are really forgettable almost uh, like Lex isn't. But like what Lex's plan was and all that other stuff, really, the story of this as coined by by Robin at one point is a Superman comes to town. And that is essentially what this movie is. It is about yeah. this, like, from birth to to the end of this, it's just like a Superman comes to town. And how does that affect things? And that's exactly what this movie is. That is actually the plot of this film, which I think is really interesting. I think that there's a certain degree that now we can start doing some yada yada-ing. Because, uh, like, he comes to Metropolis, like the, like, the linearity is maybe a little lost on me at this point. He comes to Metropolis, he's Clark Kent, nebbish reporters, you say, just total goofball. Uh, he catches a bullet for Lois Lane at one point. Don't want to yada yada past uh, Margot Kidder as as Lois Lane. Yet another tragic figure, uh, of course, uh, and just like remarkable as as Lois Lane. Uh, I I I love this performance so much. It's just like all of the shit she gives both Clark and Superman. Um, she's she's just so 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 good as she's- as Lois. Fantastic. I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, Chris Reeves soon, but like definitely don't want to gloss over Margot Kidder in this role because she, again, defined Lois Lane for people. This is Lois Lane. Right. And it's really interesting because there's uh, so many elements that are that are taken from her from obviously the look, but also the attitude. And it's really interesting because like this version of Lois Lane was, quote unquote, newish. This is actually way closer to the original interpretation of the character who was more headstrong, who was more gung ho, who was a woman who would like slap a person who tried to make a move on her. Um, And then in the Silver Age, because Silver Age, she became more of this like relationship obsessed, uh, like want to get you Superman, like um, uh, just almost at times shrinking Violet type always in trouble like that's who became the silver age so this is really going back to the golden age part of it but even more than that even more than the performance going back to the headstrongness when you first see her she doesn't know how to spell that is something Uh that is carried through to lois lane to today 
Lois Lane, the journalist being a bad speller, is something that exists still in this moment in like the Superman and Lois TV show. And that's because of this performance again. The weird, big and long lasting effects is wild. But I love it because like the scene in the alley, like she was like no to this robber and everything, which actually this scene was, of course, uh, homaged in Wonder Woman when Wonder Woman blocked a bullet for Steve Trevor in the first one. This is directly this. Um, yeah, you know, those are little things that, that you see that had strongness in her. And I really love it. And that performance is so good. And we get some more stuff that we'll talk about in the second one. Um, but it's going to be an interesting contrast uh, with certain things. Yeah, uh, it's she's just so, so, so good. And she's clearly like instrumental to Superman's, uh, you know, coming out party in Metropolis, basically. Yes. Right. Like, like, uh, you know, Clark has come to come to town and and for what just like to mix and mingle with the people of earth is that basically why he's here well he's here for a reason and he's still trying to you know figure that out and the reason he of course is to, is to help and i think that's that's the mentality and that's what we're about to see happen and this debut again we talk about iconic stuff this is an iconic moment like yeah. that moment, of course, I think even if you had never seen Superman films, you probably have seen a clip of this where, you know, she's falling out of the helicopter. He tears, you know, he opens his shirt and he comes out of nowhere and catches her. And he's like, don't worry, I've got you. You've got me. Who's got you? But who's I got think you? Is, like, is so iconic. And he like, this was uh, quoted at my wedding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My right. my brother, who was uh, who who was the minister, Kevin, you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he quoted a couple of different movies, and and this was one of them. Uh, was this moment of like, uh, "You've got me." Well, who's got you? Is just like a great like line about like I don't know like marriage and partnerships and and, and you know just making sure everybody's got each other's back. Uh, it's such a good line, and she and Margot Kidder just delivers it so well. Yeah. And I, I love every part of this encounter. He grabs a helicopter, he brings it back up. He, of course, has that Superman moment of just kind of, you know, the like, uh, statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. Like, I think that's really mm-hmm. great. <laughs> I love his answer where she asks, like, who are you? And his response is a friend. Because I think that's ultimately what it boils down to. Superman is a friend and he sees himself as that. A friend of Earth, a friend of people. Um, and it really is summed up in this moment really, really well with that one delivery of a line um but yeah i uh and then the part that you're probably that we can yada yada for now is he goes around like doing a bunch of good deeds right yeah like, gets the cat out of the tree gets a little scratches yes. can we uh, talk about also what happened to that little girl though because i never forgot that moment because a little, little girl, girl well the little so Superman is going around. He's stopping a bunch of stuff, right? There's uh, there's bank robbers. There's people on a boat. Uh, there's, the, of course, you know, the, the, the guy who's trying to uh, rob uh, walking cat burglar up the thing. Uh, he saves a plane, but also he saves this cat in a tree for a little girl as he's flying around. And the scene is he gives the cat back and she says, thank you. And then she runs inside and you hear VO that says, mommy, mommy, a flying man got the cat out of a tree. And the mom says, <laughs> What did I tell you about making up stories? And you hear the sound of a smack. And you're just like, <gasps> oh, my God. And I oh have my God. never forgotten that moment. Never forgotten that moment. There are uh, a couple of, like, sort of, like, uh, like in hindsight, like, dicey moments in this movie. Isn't there, like, one point where Superman is, like, he says to somebody, like, oh, you've been, uh, it's just, like, like, uh, like. He's he, asking like, if Lois has been drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You've been drinking? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, a little yeah. racy, but in a, in a really fun way. Uh, I well, do want to say. Tough. 
That's yeah, tough. I do want to say though about that particular moment, um, what I like about it, right? And this is this is tying into the what I really like about Superman and what I like about what he stands for and why he's here. Uh, this idea of showing Superman, you know, the save the cat is an old writing technique. Save the cat to show your hero's a good person, and sometimes that's literally all a person does is this one good deed. He saves the cat. He's a hero. But you also have Superman doing all this stuff where he's on the side of a building standing there, catches the burglar, you know, takes people to the police station, does all this stuff. He saves a plane that's falling out of the sky. I believe it's actually Air Force One he saves as falling from the sky. But he also saves a cat because in this moment, all the deeds Superman's doing are equal to him. Yeah. All the good deeds mean the same thing, doing good. And I think the idea here is that maybe... You can't be like Superman and save a plane, but you can be like Superman and help that little girl get her cat out of a tree. And I think that's what I really love about this character and what this movie does is that it's establishing the idea of being a hero isn't just saving planes. It's doing good deeds wherever you can. And that's the ideal to strive towards. That's what the ideal Superman stands for. And I love that they did that here. They showed all of that in just this montage of him doing all this stuff. And I thought that's so brilliant and so clever and really encapsulates like, the heart of that character about doing good because it's the right thing to do and having other people do it as well. Uh, so while this scene is, is like, yeah, a bunch of like action stuff, I thought it was very awesome. The purpose behind it. Yeah, totally. Um, I think we could, we could probably get to the interview uh, mm-hmm. here relatively quickly, uh, which is Lois Lane uh, uh, having the one-on-one with with superman which is such a a tremendous scene and this is like the scene that i think flies the most in the face of anyone who's like superman's a boring character we'll just like watch him banter with lois lane right uh like they're like their their chemistry is so good it took me a minute to it took me a minute to figure out the pink joke uh i had to rewind it (laughs) i had to rewind I had to rewind it because I didn't quite get it. Because uh, like she's like, "What what color underwear am I wearing?" Because uh, of his X ray vision, he's like, oh, "I can't see through lead." Uh, and then like they carry on the conversation and they're talking about something else. And then she moves away from the the lead potted plant and he goes yeah. pink. Uh, <laughs> and she like stops and it's like she needs a minute. And she's like, "Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just like uh, I, I like mean, pink it's very just much. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like pink very much. Like it's just like." I, it, like it's edgy you know but like also like sweet uh it's somehow able to to have uh, like both of those things and many other different colors to the to the scene it's not just like instructive about who he is and like what he's all about and like uh like i you know i i eat when i'm hungry like all all of these these great little moments that i think really do uh just um stand uh, in in stark opposition to the idea that superman is just like a the big blue boy scout like yes he can still and be I, somebody who's like very helpful and like uh, uh, admirable and like also be like somebody who you'd have a really fun night with this superman's a blast he's great and I, you know i want to save this part i'm not gonna go too deep here because this is gonna be like my my ultimate 
and talk about Superman and, and why this movie, I think, solidifies this character in such a perfect, perfect way and what works about him. But this scene is it. You are 100% correct because this isn't a boring person. Like, just say that again. I just he, need you to say that to me one more time. But I'm 100% correct. I just need, you, I just oh. need, to, I just need to hear that. <laughs> Quiet you. Um, even a broken clock. Anyway. Um, <laughs> a broken clock, Kent. Just, you know, people think Superman's rigid. But look at even his posture. When he comes in, he sits down in the chair. He has this relaxed thing where he's almost like hunched over. He has his hand up. He has this like, like this delivery where she's like, how old are you? And he's just like, mm, over 21. And she's like, ah, because you don't. And he does this like, like point thing. Yeah. There's like. All of that works so well. And yes, when he stands up, he's like, you know, back straight, arms in front of himself, this this unassumingness. But like the way he talks, his banter, all of it is so really, really good. And even before this, even when he first shows up and he's talking to Lois, when he makes that I'm a friend line, when he talks to the police officer and is just like, this man is a burglar, you know, like all those little things are, I think, what works for him. Uh, And I want to save this for later, but. We're going to come back to why I think it works and why I think this is what Superman needs to be. Um, they go flying. It uh, no, goes but from perfect to maybe not so perfect. It though. goes it goes poorly for a minute and then it, it gets better. Uh, and then like I love like the can you read my mind? The spoken word poetry. So did you know what was supposed to happen in this moment, Josh? No, this was supposed to be a song. Lois Lane was supposed to sing these words, but Margot Kidder could not sing. And I just, I just, you know, there is famously, which we'll talk about. Famously, there was a lot of conflict on the set of Superman between director Richard Donner and the producer, the Salkins. The Salkins wanted the goofiness. They wanted the, the, the silly comic book nonsense. And I can imagine they probably wanted the song and Donner might've been like, no. And like, she couldn't sing. And he, he, the fact that they kept it in is also wild to me that they kept the song in. They kept the spoken word poetry version. They kept her saying these lines because it's so weird. It's so odd to hear this. Like the scenes of them flying, like him holding her hand and like, you know, like them doing that whole thing. That's all fine. Just cut the audio from it. We don't need that part. Just, just take it away. And these are like, this is like one of those things in this movie that I'm like, "Mm, this part is one of those imperfect parts that I don't think works really well. I love it. I love it. I do. Can of you read you my do. mind? Are you an angel? Uh, it, <laughs> it's just so and good. And again, Lois Lane, same energy. Uh, and I didn't know it was based on a song, and I, I love it even more now. I've got some research to do when we get off the podcast, but uh, yeah, this this part's so strange. And then yeah, like they they you know he drops her off. She's all like flustered and like had such a great time. And then Clark shows up in the apartment. And does like the, you know, Christopher Reeve does the bi language shift, which is just such a great signal of like the difference. And also, like, it's a perfect it's just gift. Enough, and it's also just like a sweet moment for soups, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, this was like a nice moment with a human. This was really lovely for him. It was great. And what I love about it too is just not like you can see other people try, I can imagine other people trying to do it, but it was just the smoothness in which he did the like glasses off. And as the movement happens, his pot, like the posture straightens is such 
perfect acting and really does show that contrast, I think, in a moment of like Clark Kent and Superman, right? Like, that's the thing where like you look at these two people, you're like, I, yeah, I can see why this isn't the same person. Like, they yeah. just, just so much of it is such a different thing. Um, yeah. Of course, like, can we talk about Lois's outfit though? Because like at first it definitely sure, she looked looks like, like I was like she looks like she's like the other princess from Alderaan. You know, <laughs> it's so weird because yeah, at first I was like, is this her like casual loungewear around the house? Because like in the seventies and stuff, people would wear that like around the house before they go to bed. But then it was like, oh no, that is her going out outfit because her and Clark were gonna go out. So I was just like, man, this is a versatile outfit she's got on that she's that she's rocking right now. Yeah, it is I just great. thought it was very odd. <laughs> I well, you want to talk about that? I, I she, like her apartment is beautiful. Uh, like she's either like making bank in Metropolis or like rent is like really, really reasonable. That's a very she good has, point. I mean, this is 1978, like so you know. You know, she has a, well, we don't know. Metropolis is a fictional city, so That's who knows? <laughs> you know, journalists in Metropolis maybe just like bringing it in. Well, they had um, their own like Daily Planet chopper too, that could just take her over to where Air Force One was. So you know, but she has like a, the outdoor patio on the top of the skyscraper. It's Amazing like, my plants goodness. out there too. Yeah, it's it's so zen. It's mm-hmm. really really dope. Um, all right, so I now I'm, I'm having like some scrambled eggs brains in terms of like flow of the movie, but I think like probably now is when we got to be talking like some Lex Luthor, yes. Gene Hackman, who is so great as Lex Luthor. Uh, I've forgotten that he was like uh, he just had the hair of the whole movie, yeah, he and he also had do, that, he the ascot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, unfortunate because like that's Lex's one thing. Yet we rarely see it in any version of the character. I know. Um, which is ridiculous to me. I do think it's really interesting to talk about the Gene Hackman of it all, right? Like, we talked about Marco Kidder. We, you know, this is where essentially the movie does get a little bit money, right? Like, Lex is introduced, Otis is introduced, Mr. Takamaka is introduced. I, I, think like I, I wish that I was able to follow the plot with Lex Luthor a little bit more here, but like, he lives in like an underground uh, layer. subway layer. Yeah. Like, it's very like Bond villain. He's got Super like Bond villain. a really neat pool setup. Yes, that part's cool, right? Like the he pool looks that, really that, cool. Yeah, he flooded that area to make his own pool. Like you talk about apartments, right? Like this is the opposite of Lois's, but at the same time, I'm like this is a nice setup, though. <laughs> like, is so so is he on the run? Is he already like a fugitive yes. at this point? Like, what's the deal with Lex Luthor? Because I I wasn't clocking it the way that I needed to. So in 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 this version, right? And there's again, there's been so many versions of different stuff. But Lex Luthor in in the comics, especially around the time, you know, he was a, a uh, uh, an evil businessman like he was known to be corrupt he was a criminal he was a scientist he's been many things throughout his various selves and so in this version he is that like uh corrupt underground criminal who's sort of being investigated and looked for by the police but he's hiding underground uh literally underground villain um to, to like avoid them and of course he he just coldly and callously murders one of the police officers um and so that's what's happening here he is on the run people are looking for him um, he is a wanted criminal, and that's why he's hiding. But he has this, like, crazy, crazy plan, and that's where we get some of this stuff about, like, what he's going to end up doing. Um, and this is, like, this where it starts blending together, right? Like, he has his plan. He's doing this stuff with the rockets. What is he trying to do with the rockets? Uh, and then you find out he has some sort of real estate scheme, which I really just, what? Um, and I don't then understand he, it. No Superman can stop him. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this is a thing that I love about Gene Hackman, but also I'm just like, man, it's not really Lex, is that he has the attitude of Lex at times. I think he has certain lines that work really well. When he killed the detective and pushed him in front of the train, I think that's very Lex. I think his like haughtiness is very Lex, but like the goofiness of having Otis around, I don't think is very like Lex Luthery. Um the the like plan enactment where he's on the road, you know, and they're doing the whole exchange with like, oh, faking the crash. And then like he's like jumping into the back to fight Otis, like not very Lexi. But then you have the little things, right? The plan is to me, the plan is also crazy. The plan is essentially I will shoot a rocket into the fault line, which will cause part of California to flood underground. But I bought up all the land in that area now of where the new coast would be. So I own property and essentially, people will have to buy this property from me, and I will become rich. That's his plan. Yeah. It's psychotic, uh-huh. because this is the part that is Lex, right? I'm going to kill millions of people just so I can make a, make make some money. I think that idea is Lex. Like, that delivery he has when Superman eventually confronts him is like, is this how you get your kicks, playing the deaths of innocent people? And he goes, no, by causing the deaths of innocent people, I think is Lex. Yeah. Um, the idea he does of how he tricks Superman, you know, like after the whole thing with the, the radio waves and he lures Superman to lair, with, I think is like, really, yeah, really Lex. The literal like dog whistle is like, yeah. only dogs or Superman can hear Which, me. Gus looked up. My dog did was just like, huh? Yeah. When that sound went off. So like, <laughs> um, but it was uh, really smart how he gets him there. And then he has that whole exchange and he tricks him into opening the thing with kryptonite very cleverly. So like everything he did was very purposeful. And then, you know, he has kryptonite. He was like, you don't even care where the rocket's going, do you? And he's just like, I do know where it's going. Hackensack, New Jersey. And just shoves him into the pool. All that stuff feels very Lexing. I think is really, really good. Um, but there's an over the topness that happens that I don't think is great. Even his plan of the two rockets, right? Like one's going to California. The other one's going to Jersey on opposite sides of the U S I think is smart. All those little pieces are great, but the over the top goofiness (laughs) and the, and the uh, real estate plan, it's a bit nonsense. Like that's the part I don't like. But I'm assuming you love the Gene Hackman. Oh, of it all. he in this. This is this is my Superman. Like this this whole yeah. This is my stuff. So like you know, I'm not a huge DC Comics guy. I don't have big sense memory for DC Comics as a kid. Like if if anything, it's like you know, like sort of like Jim Lee X Men type stuff is like those are my superhero mm-hmm. comics from when I was like starting to get into comics. And even then, I think I've I've talked about this on podcast. Like it took me a long time before I realized that you're supposed to read them. Uh, not just like look at the beautiful art. So it's like always art first. And I don't know. It shouldn't be a surprise. I'm kind of an idiot, folks. Um, uh, <laughs> big dumb animal. Um, it's, so I don't have that. Like this is my Lex Luthor is is Gene Hackman, which is maybe why I don't have like massively strong feelings towards Lex Luthor. Uh, generally, uh, I guess like uh, you know I I want I want my Lex Luthor to be like kind of like um, like confident and in charge and um, you know. I, for me to like really feel like they're a worthy match for Superman, which I don't get from mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg. Um, but I, I do really right. get from, um, I think it's Clancy Brown who does the voice acting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's great. Like I Clancy Brown's really yeah, good. I, I, I envision him. Um, you know, I'm not a Smallville guy, so that doesn't happen for me. Um, uh, what's his face from all of the eighties movies to and a half men, John Cryer. So, uh, I do want to talk about that real quick, right? Like, as we're talking about the different Lexes. Um, it's really funny because 
I think Clancy Brown is the definitive Lex in my head because he has that commanding presence through his voice, right? I, for a long time, was just like, man, there's really no actor who's done Lex Luthor really, really well. And then I did see John Cryer, who you will see. Oh, well, you know, Josh, because yeah. of Superman 4. And right. I love the idea that one of the worst parts of Superman 4, Lenny Luthor, Luthor's nephew, who's right. played by John Cryer right, in his right, ducky right, days. Right, right. That's right. That's right. They cast him as Lex Luthor now. And he is the best version of Lex Luthor I have seen in live action. Interesting. His, his intro scene in Supergirl is so good because he's in, like, there's this whole stuff and there's this moment where he's in jail. He gets put in jail and he has, like, this piece of, like, you know, chalk or something or, like, a little nail. And so he goes to a wall and he just starts, car- like, drawing stuff onto a wall. And when they cut back to him, it's been a long time, and he's made this mural of Hammurabi crossing the mountains. And, like, the warden comes in and has a conversation and he's just like, oh, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's, you know, Hammurabi crossing the mountains where he took elephants, blah, blah, blah. And the warden's like, what does it represent? And you think it's going to be like this amazing thing. And he just goes boredom. And then he just turns around and talks to him. And I'm just like, that's such an awesome, like he made this masterpiece, this amazing image. And then the warden's like, what is this supposed to represent? And he's just like boredom. And I'm just like, God damn. Like, and there's like the stuff he does throughout it. Like that's what hooked me. And the stuff he's done since in there that I've seen, he's really good. He's actually like, like what you're talking about. He has that scary presence. He has that manipulation. He has those smarts. I was like, Oh yeah, this is actually Lex Luthor. So it's pretty wild that John Cryer, one of the worst things in the Superman movies from this time period. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I haven't given it a a real chance. So, uh, it's, it's harder for me to weigh in. Fair Um, enough. Yeah. So I have two questions about Lex Luthor, uh, in addition to everything else. Um, so he's a fugitive, yet he's able to get all the way to the West Coast to like plant the bombs on the fault line and then he'll come all the way back to Metropolis without being he's, detected. No, he doesn't go to the West Coast to plant the bombs, right? Like he intercepts the, the rockets as they're on the way to a launch site. And so that's okay. how they're able to do it. Okay, okay, okay. But he's somewhere out in like the country. Oh yeah, when that part's happening, yes. How did he do that? And then get He's back. He's wearing a disguise. Anyway. Did you see? Didn't you see the blonde <laughs> wig? No one can recognize. I guess. I guess. All right. So that's question one. <laughs> and question two is: um, Should there have been something in the movie that was there something in the movie that I missed that explains how Lex Luthor uh, knows so many of Superman's weaknesses and also got his hands on Kryptonite? Yeah, so they gloss over this um, a little bit, which is, which is again, like, it feels like it's, it should have been important. Um, so basically, a lot of Superman stuff about lead and all that stuff was obviously in the story that Lois wrote, right? Because Superman told her everything and knowing that she would write it, which, again, it's his way of being like, I'm open, you know, to I'm, I'm letting you all know about me so you won't be afraid of me. Um, so from that, he basically was just like, he went into the book and was looking for meteorites, looking for all this information because he's just like interesting. So if Krypton, you know, he's from Krypton and he did the calculation of Krypton's X amount away, the traveling of the rocket. If you do that from the debris that would have come, it would have landed here three years ago. So three years ago, there was probably a meteorite that was from the planet of Krypton. And his mental uh, argument is just like the radioactivity of that meteorite would be changed. And while it wouldn't affect us, it should affect him. And so he yeah. found that picture of a guy holding the meteorite um, that he showed Miss Teschmacher. And so that that meteorite was kryptonite. 
And so they there's a throwaway line uh, where I think Perry White mentions someone broke in to um, uh, a, a a museum and stole a meteorite. And got that's it. how that was the line of how he got it. So he deduced essentially what kryptonite was. He deduced it should affect Superman and he went, stole it. They don't show that because, again, that would have been a good question of like, how did he pull that off? Um, but they figured they could yada yada over that. And that's how that happened. OK, got that. OK, that tracks that tracks. Um, all right. And so he then puts it, the kryptonite on Superman, pushes him in the pool and then leaves. And Superman is, is saved by. Uh, because <laughs> uh, like my parents are in new jersey you gotta promise me you'll save you all you never lie mm-hmm. you never lie and then and she assaults him. Like, oh, all right yeah <laughs> because without his permission he, she's just like i'm gonna come to make out with your face <laughs> yeah yeah and she kisses him he's like why'd you do that she's like oh, i figured you probably wouldn't let me and he doesn't respond but he's probably like, yeah you probably wouldn't have he was nice, uh, like he. Well, he did. He didn't say anything, right? He like smiled at her and like you know, you know, gave her like the little cheek stroke, which I think is again him not acknowledging it, but being just like you think so low of yourself. And I think that's another one of those like small Superman things. But yeah, and then from there, he of course rockets do you off like himself. That, do you like that he is saved by Miss Teshmaka? I don't mind that, you know, um, it shows, again, Lex's blind spot is understanding other humans, like his inhumanity. Yeah, a lack of empathy, yeah. Exactly. And I think that makes sense to me. Um, I also think it totally tracks where he has to make the promise, and, and that's why he goes to New Jersey to get that one, but then fails because of it to get the other rocket in California, which is where he wanted to go because Lois and Jimmy are there. Um, and so why I think are they there? Really what are they doing in California? They were covering a story, ironically, about Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor was buying up all that land, and Perry and the Perry White and Lois were just like, "Who, who is this person buying up this land in California?" So they went to interview the person who was selling the land, and that's why they're out there. Got it. Okay, great. Um, so yes, yeah, so Superman flies out there, and a, a whole mess of stuff happens. The dam breaks. He builds mm-hmm. a new dam. Uh, he the, repairs the, the fault line. <laughs> he repairs the fault line, which is so crazy. I like, just seeing him in the fault line is. So- Oh, wild yeah, if you didn't watch the like he goes into the fault line he's there like he's, he's like a glow in the magma yeah. he you know he's there he's there he's pushing things up and then you see like the aerial shot of like the fault line repairing uh you see him yeah he repairs a dam or he like makes a new dam after a dam breaks he yes. lets a train drive over him um he saves the, doing- the bus with his kids and everything yeah, and the one guy's like, that's Superman! Mm-hmm. Uh, which is such a great moment. Yeah, Spider-Man! On- that was like right yeah. where that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but he does not save Lois, who is uh, in a car who gets... Uh, who, who The car like sinks into the earth due to the, to the quake. Um, and the car fills up with rubble and gets like smashed and the way that this is um presented is very traumatic uh as Lois Lane is being buried alive uh and like this character who is so full of life because of the way Margot Kidder uh embodied her they're like really forcing you to watch in very gnarly detail as she's like breathing in the dirt and the windshield is cracking and you hear it the sound design of this movie is impeccable um it's really good just- uh, exceptional by like modern standards it's just so good um and superman finds her and she's dead so he did all of that and she said the the death of lois lane is very upsetting 
really, really, really like brutally rendered. Uh, like if it had stuck, like it would have been like one of the most harrowing pop culture deaths ever. Yeah. Especially because, like in the comics, she won't, she wasn't dead, and you wouldn't have expected it to be happening. There's Regardless, a lot like the way this. in which it happens, oh, like yeah. and, like like the procedure of it is just like awful. It's so hard yeah. to watch, and it is one of those like moments, right, that ultimately lead to him doing his thing, where it's just like he's so trying to save everyone else, but wasn't able to save the one person that he would want to save the most, and you know that obviously harkened back to the Jonathan Kent of it all, but. This is where things are wonky, yeah. and I'm going to break it down after we sum up what happens, because basically, you know, she he she t- dies He this- reverses time, yeah. she dies, he-, he takes a moment to mourn, and then he goes, ah! and he screams off into the sky and flies around the planet and changes the orbit enough that time travel, and then he has saved her as a result. And that's effective. Like he drops off Lex and Otis. They go to jail. He, you know, fly. He's a friend to everybody. Flies off of the sun off uh, across the planet. Iconic. They end all of these this way, don't they? I think I'm almost 100 percent positive. They end all of it with him looking at the camera and smiling, which is from the flying over. He would do that. Yeah, he does it all the time in the old comics where he'd look at it and Golden Age too, where he'd look at the camera and like wink or smile and make a cheeky remark. I love it. It's really, really great. It's great. But like this happens fast. It's the it's the you know the the culmination of the movie, and they don't really give you a ton to chew on afterwards. Um, But yeah, Superman time travels effectively or reverses time enough to bring Lois back. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. So effectively, I do. Okay. I do hate it. I, I do I, think I'm not going to lie. I, I hate. This. I do think I hate this. And now I'm going to make you hate it more because there is backstory here um, that I'm about to break down. I, I out of all I there's so much about this movie. I still like, right? There's so much that I think stands up really well. This did not stand up when I watched it when I was younger. It doesn't stand up now. It's not great. I think I was probably fine as a kid. I was like, she's alive! But like, right. you know, like, yeah, probably like as a, when I first watched it at four, I wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff. But I, like, like, I haven't thought about it. In the costume. I haven't thought about it as anything other than like, a, you know, a, you know, a historic moment of pop culture uh, since I was a kid. Uh, and so like revisiting it was a different experience. It's like, oh, no, this is dumb. It's done. It's, so, it's so thematically bad. You're violating the, the theme. Right. So here's what happened. What happened was, so some behind the scenes info about this movie. I, I mentioned it earlier. This is famously conflict between the director, Richard Donner, and the producers of the film. So Superman 1 and 2 was originally supposed to be filmed back to back. Both movies were going to come out within a period of each other. They were setting up the sequel with this first movie. The reason why Zod, Ursa, and Nan are in the beginning at Krypton is because what was supposed to happen, this is how the movie was supposed to go. They're off in the Phantom Zone. They get sent off. The rockets go out, right? Uh, he does, everything's the same. He grabs that rocket from New Jersey, pushes it up in the space, and just tosses it. He gets back, but he's too late. The rocket explodes into the, the fault line. He has to repair everything. Everything is going exactly like that, that we've seen. Lois is in her car, and stuff is ha- like the, the 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 things are coming toward her and she's unaware about what's about to happen. So as he's fixing all the other stuff, Superman is very quickly stopping Lois 
from getting caught in this avalanche. He's stopping it from happening, right? She's completely unaware it happened. The scene that you do see after he reverses time and he's standing outside the door and like he's smiling at her and she comes out and just like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, like and he's just like, oh, you're still fine. She, what it was but like that scene did happen. So it was supposed to be he does. He stops everything. And Lois is coming out like, oh, Superman, where were you? Unaware that he just did everything to save her and everything that yeah. happened. And so it's this really kind of like endearing but comedic moment of like superman just did all this stuff but like she has no idea about it you know and so that's how it was supposed to end she was never supposed to die in that moment um he he you know he he saved her without her knowing and then it's so interesting that the that the producers who fought for a music number for the goofiness were also fighting for like one of the most upsetting like death scenes here's why so this part that he reverses time was going to be the ending of Superman two. And they had filmed it and shot him doing that. And at the time, the effects were expensive to do that shot, to do him spinning, to reverse all the stuff was expensive. And so they, and this is where the divide started to happen. At this point, I think Richard Donner had been fired um and basically they were like we have this expensive shot we don't even know if we're gonna get a superman 2 we need to use this shot in this film so they made up the reason that she got buried and he reversed time to save her so they could use the effects they had filmed for a different film that's why that's in here so that's how that happened and personally i think it sucks because what the ending is supposed to be i like the idea superman saved her without her knowing and the rocket you're going to notice something when you watch Superman 2 now that's different. When he threw the rocket into space, what happens is that rocket flies, and when it explodes, the ripple effect of the rocket shatters the Phantom Zone. So the ending of this movie had the rocket break the Phantom Zone open, and Ursa, Nod, Nan, and Zod come out and start heading towards Earth. Because that's of Superman's movie, own heroism. Correct. That's yeah. how this movie was supposed to end, and that's what it led into Superman 2. So it's all the effects of that he did to lead to this happening, which is awesome, and I think is really smart and clever. But again, because of this behind-the-scenes stuff, like we ended up with this, like, Lois died, but then he reversed time. And you're like, but if he reversed time, then what did... So it was a lot of, like, just doesn't work at all and i it's it sucks because so much else works about the movie except that you know like that part i think really doesn't work because like even the hackman stuff some people like it some people don't but like that part i think universally is just kind of like oh god what the hell you know and i think does anyone like the ending of superman the movie i hope not i mean maybe someone but like for me genuinely we always love this like do you have a defense of it let us know super at postshowrecaps.com that's super at postshowrecaps.com and send that feedback and we'll get into it next week if you've got it. Yeah, because I'm curious because like to me it's what you said, Josh, right? Like it violates the whole thing at the beginning that he can't save everyone. It completely, uh, yeah, it just like it, it boops that snoot to quote uh, yeah. a friend, you know? Uh, like it's, once, you, it, once you're able to reverse time, you just do that all the time. Like yeah! the, Flash, the Flash TV show does that. Barry, when the first time Barry has gone through time, he does it all the time now, but the funny thing is that he always messes it up so he always keeps screwing time up so i think at least there's consequences in this there was like no consequence which is come on guys it's not great Uh, but i i would say you know so we're not doing the rankings uh it's just it's too much to do the rankings for these uh 
But I, I would say, like, you know, th- I would still grade this very highly. Like, I would still yeah. say, because, like, so it's one of those things where, like, does the ending define the movie or does the movie define itself? And, like, the ingredients swirl together in such a beautiful way that, like, it is it's just a delight to experience. This movie is just a total delight. It, like, the whole, like, the pajama aesthetic is just so lovely to me. And maybe that's... Dude, Maybe that's costume, just because I right? love. I, I I'm very nostalgic for like the days in which I and, and I'll post the the picture again. Uh, I'll I'll toss it on my Instagram. How about that? Uh, Round Howard on Instagram. Picture of me as a baby boy. Uh, and I want to uh, thank. Uh, I believe it's Sean uh, posted this. If I'm if I'm remembering that right, uh, in the Pusher Recaps Patreon Discord me photoshopped on the Superman poster as like a two year old mm-hmm. in my Superman pajamas. But like. Anyone can wear the suit. <laughs> so this is this is perfect segue, right? Because I've held off on talking about this part of it, the, the Chris Reeve of it all, because as much as I dislike the ending, as much as the pieces don't work, I think Gene Hackman, I think everyone is doing exactly what they were brought in to do. You know, even Otis, if I don't like him necessarily as a character in here, the actor is doing exactly what he should be doing. I think Hackman is chewing up scenery phenomenally well. Margot Kidder is just i mean she's the perfect lowest right it's the lowest we all know even perry white is such a good perry white he's so good in this movie and has such a presence as like the editor-in-chief and i think it's great but all of that i think is this movie would have never worked because or without christopher reeve i think his portrayal of superman is quintessential and i'll start with what you're saying about the costume i love that they went for it i love that this is a time period that you're just like no he's gonna wear this bright pajama e costume because that's superman and like it is i think that's important for superman to be aerodynamic you know looks very comfortable (laughs) yeah super comfortable like i think it's great that it's like he can carry it off and it's crazy to me that 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 modern stuff has gone so far away from that design that they're like, no, we can't. And I'm like, go back to it. Uh, the, right now, there's that Superman and Lois TV series, which I really, really like. It's actually really good. I've talked about how I felt like I haven't had a Superman since Chris Reeve. This is it. If yeah. you are a fan of that stuff, if you're a fan of Superman, you need to watch this series. He's a friend really, of mine. Really um, good at it. Uh, a writer at Inverse, actually, he wrote he wrote a Ryan Britt, who, who wrote a really great uh, article about it, about like, this is like this is the best Superman and also like in ways like if you think the Snyder cut Superman is dark like sometimes the Superman and Lois stuff gets real dark but it like it shows you like the full dimensionality of the character yeah that like there's like a lot that you could do with Superman it doesn't just have to be like a scoop of vanilla or a scoop of chocolate like it could be like all, all sorts of different flavors when you're dealing with this character yeah and this like to, to hit on the show which will circle me back actually pretty well um I think this show has a more uh, modern costume as well, which is, I think, is its weak spot. But there is a moment in the first episode, and it says a lot that all the fandom has flipped out. Because in the first episode, when they're doing yeah. the, like the flashbacks, they show him in like, like the, the action costume. comics cover, right? The action comics, Max Flesher Adventures of Superman uh, animated series, the Darwin Cook style costume bright colors, the S of the black behind it, because that's what it was at that point, the boots, the trunks. And he looks really, really good. And it's like, I wish they would do that. I wish that would still be his costume because it does work when you are confident in it as the creators. If you believe that that Superman costume can work, you will have everyone believing it too. You, you just have to have the confidence, I think. 
and he looks really good in that costume. Um, and the fans flipped out about it. But also, his Clark Kent is so charming, goofy. He's unassuming. He's nice. There's summed up in that same moment when he's in that original costume. He saves a kid, and the kid says, nice outfit. And he says, thanks, my mom made it for me, and flies off. That's Superman to me. And that brings me back to here why I think Chris Reeve works so well and why I think this that version of Superman works really well. Because Superman, as you pointed out, he's has a morals, he's kind of goofy, and ultimately Superman's not cool. But you can be not cool and still be charming and likable. And that's exactly what Chris Reeve brings to this. Like his Clark Kent is like especially goofy and nebbish because that's on purpose, but his Superman exudes charm. His Superman makes you feel like safe. He makes you feel like it's someone you can want to hang out with and talk to, even though he's not cool. A lot of that we saw in Captain America, which is what I mentioned about what I like about Steve Rogers, but Steve Rogers is also very much not cool, but everyone still likes him because there's an element and charm to him. And that's here with this version of Superman, Chris Reeve, embodies what Superman needs to be, which is ultimately charming. And I think Tyler Hochin in Superman and Lois does the exact same thing. His Superman is very charming. His Clark is not that nebbish, but also kind of goofy. And that's okay. It's likable. And I think they try so hard to make Superman cool a lot of the times that they unfortunately miss the whole point of Superman. Even to the thing of, well, this, this might sound real silly, but if you look at like Henry Cavill, if you look at like Tom Welling, all these guys who've been cast and they get cast because they're big and beefy, which I don't think Superman needs to be because his strength doesn't come from his muscles at all. It comes from the earth and the sun. So it's weird when they're just like, he used to be big. No, he doesn't. Um, again, Tyler Holchin is actually short and it's great because it works because Superman doesn't need to be, you know, like that. But when they smile, they're so handsome. They're so handsome. Not to say that Chris Reeve and Tyler Hoechlin aren't, but like they're model handsome. They're big and beefy and put me on the cover of a magazine. And like their smile feels like that fake model smile. Because like when you pose for a picture, right? Well, it's that Henry Cavill smile. seems really fake when they digitally removed the mustache. Yes. And that especially was no smiling there. So, um, yeah. but like. If you look at Chris Reeve when he smiles, and you look at Tyler when they smile, it feels very natural. It feels very charming. It feels very, like, personal almost. You know what I mean? You need, Superman needs to have that. He needs to feel someone you can approach. And I think when you have someone like Henry Cavill, I think, can do it. They never gave him a chance to. But that's why I think Brandon Routh also worked. And Brandon Routh was mimicking Chris Reeve, but he has that goofy charm to him. And I think it's so key to Superman to have that charm. When he smiles, it can't look like a model is smiling. It has to look like someone who is a friend because that is such what Superman needs to be a friend. And I think that's what Chris Reeves sums up so well. It's not about the physicality. It's not about like Superman's cool. He's decidedly not cool, but he's approachable and nice and does good. And I think anyone who says Superman is boring needs to watch Chris Reeve in this role because he's not, there's so much about him that works so well and it's embodied in this film. And like for the ending, you know, is what it is. I think it's fine because that performance just takes this thing up, up and away. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's uh, let's start getting into some feedback and then other odds and ends as we're wrapping up the first Superman before we do. I want to take a quick second and thank our sponsors for this episode of everything is Superman 
Those are our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it could be hard work. Well, you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. All right. This comes our way from uh, the legendary Tessa, the Tesseract, uh, patron of post-show recaps, who says, I'm pretty sure the Christopher Reeve movies are the only Superman movies I know. I don't remember them very well, but I remember watching at least one of them as a child and I still haven't seen any of the Henry Cavill Superman movies. Well, you know, part of that would be because like they couldn't they couldn't make more Superman movies really. Like they tried they've tried to get a few off the ground after uh after Quest for Peace um there was a J.J. Abrams thing that almost happened. There's the Brett Ratner thing that almost Super, happened. Superman lives. It's me, Super, it's me, Superman. Um, the 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 Nicolas Cage Superman is what Kevin yeah. is referring to. Is that not to. Superman lives? That's Superman lives, right? Uh, I think that that might be right. Um, yeah. They um, there was a, a documentary uh, mm-hmm. about about that movie. Yeah, the death of Superman lives. Uh, a 2015 movie directed by the late John Schnepp um, that I have not seen this film. I have not seen The Death of Superman Lives. I uh, also haven't, but I've wanted to for a very long so time. So I don't know if I'm in it. I'm sorry, what? But I am absolutely in the trailer for it. What? Joshua! Now I have to watch this. I'm also uh, really upset that you aren't a Superman thing before me. I feel that is a personal affront. I, I don't hurt. know if I made it. <laughs> I don't know if I made it into the movie, but I expect it's very likely that I did. Uh, because I certainly made it into the trailer. Because uh, my last act as uh, a full-time employee at MTV News was to go to a movie junket for a film called The Crudes. Uh, an animated movie called The Crudes. I where I had a legendarily I had a legendarily bad interview with Ryan Reynolds and Emma Stone. Right. That was followed swiftly by a legendarily delightful interview with one Nicolas Cage. And during that interview, I asked Nicolas Cage about Superman Lives. And he gave me like a fairly substantial answer about like what that movie could have been like. And those questions that I asked him and some of his answering uh, is featured in the trailer for The Death of Superman Lives. Uh, so I've never seen the movie. I think like part of it has been like gunshine. I kind of just want it to be like sort of legendary in my own mind. But I always was very proud of the fact that my question uh, for Nicolas Cage at the very least fueled the trailer for the death of Superman lives. So Kevin, if you're going to watch it or if somebody out there is going to watch, you can report back to me and let me know. Did I, did I make the final cut? That's what I want to know. Did I make it into the movie? I am now more than ever. I kind of want to watch it. So now I feel like I have to watch it just to let you know whether or not you're in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. So you'll have to let me know, but they tried, they tried. So I think to like Tessa's point, they tried to make a bunch of movies 
it did not happen. <laughs> like, yeah, they couldn't they couldn't do it. Um, they, I think for you know, many reasons, right? They, yeah. it's, it's the little things. Like again, when when Richard Donner left, the movies have a noticeable turn in quality. You know, as they start going further, uh, further on. And I think once you hit the goofiness of four, it was so bad that I think that did put a put you know a, a terrible kryptonite shiv into the Superman um, uh, movies for a long time. And I think again, the trust in Superman I think is is wavered for a lot of people. They think he's not cool, but like embrace that. And I think you look at Superman Returns, which tried to like it is a sequel essentially to this stuff, and I don't think that works. I think Brandon Routh is phenomenal in it. But you, uh, you know, you rely too much on on the others, like the past stuff that it, I think doesn't carry through well. Um, and like it took until now, I think, with the TV show that I think they really nailed it. I mean, Man of Steel is this other thing we'll say for another day. But like, I think you need to be able to look at these films and understand what makes them great in order to bring Superman even back into the modern day. And it's not darkening up his costume and making it look more badass like armor. That's not what it is, guys. So I think that's yeah. another reason why it sold out for a while, you know? Um, Homer J on the discord uh, wrote on the discord. It said, I'd be interested to hear some feedback from younger viewers I'm in a similar boat on the nostalgia front where I recognize that even with the first two, there's some cornball and dated stuff in there. But what really elevates them is Reeves' performance, along with the great supporting players in Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, Terrence Stamp in particular. I don't think another actor has matched his portrayal of the character. And I really love how he completely morphs between Superman and Clark, sometimes within the same scene, um, as we talked about. Yeah, I just think that how did you top like the only time that they were able, like they successfully top not top. They successfully made a movie after Christopher Reeve by trying to just like get someone who could do Christopher Reeve. Literally. Like they tried to just make a direct sequel to the Christopher Reeve era, um, which I don't know how to relitigate. I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't checked it out in in forever. I know we talked about not wanting to do that. Um, That one's tough for uh, reasons. Um, yeah. Uh, from Jeffrey, Jeffrey wrote and said, Hi, guys. I've enjoyed everything is super since the beginning, and I'm thrilled you're finally talking about Superman. I thought that maybe you'd like to hear the perspective of someone old enough to have seen the movies in theaters as a 16-year-old in 1978. Why, Jeffrey, yes we, yes, we would. Yes, yes um, please. So here's some of Jeffrey's notes. These are really great. Uh, Jeffrey, hopefully you'll be able to uh, provide um, for the rest of the series. We would love to hear from you. Um, Jeffrey writes, I've loved comic books all my life. Uh, and Superman is my favorite character. In the 1970s, I would buy most DC comics and certainly anything with Superman in it. Even without social media, there was a lot of buzz about Superman the movie. I recall entering the Great Superman Movie Contest, which required buying a lot of comics and then ruining them by cutting out a coupon. Sadly, oh, I did boo. not win. Why would they make you do that? <laughs> Sadly, I did not win. Um, some context before Superman, special effects, especially flying scenes, were very crude. The Superman TV series had George Reeves jumping on a trampoline. The Flying Nun wasn't exactly believable. And Star Wars, with no episode four in the title, raised hopes that special effects had reached a new level, but we really didn't know what to expect. Then I saw the film for the first of many times. Wow, I was blown away. This was truly a comic book come to life. Christopher Reeve was the perfect Superman, and maybe even better as Clark Kent. Margot Kidder was also great as Lois Lane. Marlon Brando was ridiculous, but he got blown up soon enough. And while Gene Hackman was a campy Lex Luthor, it still all worked. Um, 
Yeah, and then Jeff goes on to agree that uh, the t- the reversal of time was was absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really I, awesome though. I would love to see this movie in theaters. I really would. It would be an incredible experience. Uh, I would just love to see a movie in theaters. But I would really love to see like uh, like a remastered Superman in theaters. Would be super fun to do. Yeah, and it is interesting because I never actually thought about the context of the special effects in that way because I've I've heard it right like. I've heard about like the the tagline "You believe a man could fly." I've heard that people were just like, "Oh my god, this is so amazing!" But I never really thought about the fact that yeah, there wasn't a lot of good special effects. Star Wars was something that broke that mold, but like nothing else had like done that level of achievement. And so I can imagine like watching us for the first time. If your only context of a flying person is someone jumping on a trampoline, this was something, right? Because like he just lifts up and takes off when in that fortress, right? That for the first time. Um, in the movie, when when we saw him at the uh, at the end of that scene, so yeah, I, I I wish I could experience what that was like. Um, okay, this is from Riley. Riley writes in uh, and says, "I think the first two Superman movies are near perfect movies for what they're trying to be and what they accomplished for the time they came out in." The performance of Reeve isn't matched in live action. Every actor and actress really brings it in these movies. And not only that, but everybody's clearly having fun. And they really did make you believe in this world and believe in Clark Kent and Superman. And that is a damn good thing. There's definitely some cheesy elements, but I love it all. And it works for for the movies for the same reason the cheese in the Raimi Spider-Man movies works for me. These movies are earnest. Is that the secret sauce, Kevin? The earnestness? I think it is. I mean, I think that goes back to, to, to what it's about, right? Like that you have to be like Superman is an earnest character and it's, being earnest sometimes is not cool, but that's okay. Like, I think that's the thing that people keep getting hung up on, but like, it's fine. He's still likable. That's the key thing. Like, he's still likable and, and it's just really seen here. And again, I, I do think they brought it back around with the uh, the TV series. So I do recommend that if you, if you like Superman and you like the, this version especially, check out the tv series it it really is just i wish we could have gotten more of the good superman stuff from the chris reeve era you know but uh we'll talk about that in a little bit in a few weeks sure uh from jacob redman uh co-host of ang in there the avatar the last airbender rewatch podcast and pusher recaps jacob writes in uh on the discord and says it's surprising to me that you can cover superman without discussing it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman the musical. So I know it exists. I've never I don't I've never I've seen Spider-Man the musical twice. I didn't see that twice. I saw it before and after when they did before they did the revisions and after. It went from a 0 to a 64. It's a pretty big swing. Um, so here's the thing. I've never seen the musical. I know legend of the musical. I know everyone says about how bad it is. And I don't need to watch it because it's like when Superman was with Lex Luthor and he's trying to find out where the detonator is and he looks at the lead box and it's just like, well, I guess I'm going to open that lead box. And Lex says, you shouldn't open that lead box. And he does. And there's kryptonite inside. So I'm not going to open the lead <laughs> box. I don't need to do that. I have heard yeah. people tell me, don't open the lead box. So Your I, life is I fine. won't. I shit. Yeah. Sure. Fair, fair, fair. Um, and then this is a good one to to lead us out on for the great Jessica Lee. Jess writes in, "My husband looks so much like Nan 
And I've always wanted to dress up as the three villains from Superman 2 for Halloween. But we're now past the point where I get to dress George up as anything I want. And I can imagine General Zod is not high on his list. But honestly, I'd watch either the Donner or the Lesser Cut. I love them both for different reasons. So Jess is uh, in a hilarious bit of feedback, uh, winking towards next week uh, as we are flying towards Superman 2. Um, and I think the popular consensus is that this is the one. This is, this is, this is better than Superman 1. This is going to be better than Superman 3 and 4. This is the best Superman movie that we're coming into. And yet... There's two different versions of Superman 2. There is. This kind of and ties back to... And I don't fully to, get it. So, yeah, give us the history. So, yeah, th- this this is going to be the, the rundown here, right? Um, similar with this movie, there are a lot of scenes that were cut. Uh, there's actually... A, there's an extended version of this that Donner isn't a fan of that includes a lot of stuff that he cut because, as a director, he's like, we don't need this. But, again, the producers decide to put them in, like... When Superman is going to meet Lex, there's a whole like scene like in that uh, in Aliens when the aliens are coming down the thing and they're shooting the guns like that happens. There's like guns being shot at Superman and it does nothing. There's like ice and fire that come at him does nothing. So, you know, famously, this divide happened. Donner was filming both versions uh, or both one and two at the same time. He had filmed, I think, like 75 percent or 80 percent of two uh, was fired. Because of this, this, this budding heads, and they brought in Richard Lester, who was a more comedic uh, director. So they added all these more kind of sillier comedic elements because that's what they wanted. However, by rights of him getting a director at the time, I believe he needed to direct at least fifty percent of the movie. So they had to refilm a bunch of stuff. So there's all these different scenes. So the version of two that I have known has been this Richard Lester version. And the Donner version has been a myth. All this other pieces that Richard Donner filmed that they didn't use. There was a lot of stuff that was unfinished because obviously he didn't get to film that 20%. Many, many, many moons have passed. And they finally, Warner Brothers has uh, had like mend the the, the, the bridges um, because it's not they laid down to let the train ride across it. Right. And so they were like, we can use your footage that you have. We can do some effects and we can try and rebuild a version of the movie that would have been your vision. And so then they released the Donner cut version of Superman 2. It's incomplete, but it can give you an idea of what this movie could have been. I love the Donner cut. I think, again, except for the reversal of time stuff, there's a lot in there that's really really good one scene in particular i think is one of the best scenes in the entire like four movies possibly one of the best superman scenes um for lois lane so that's why there's these two versions that exist now here's what's gonna happen i think the donner cut you'd have to get from somewhere else superman 2 the version everyone knows is streaming on hbo max so everyone That's should what watch, I'm watching. So yeah. everyone should watch Superman two, the regular one. I will On be HBO watching Max. both because I, of okay. course, I own the Donner cut. I will be watching both of them, and I will gladly talk about the little differences. Are they uh, relatively similar? There's a lot that's similar, but there's a lot of pieces that are different. There's one scene in particular that I referenced, Shaw, so you can watch online. Once you're finished Superman 2, I will send you the clip, you will watch it, and then we will discuss that part especially. But the other pieces are things we can talk about here and there. They're not major, major, but there's a lot that is different. Um, Okay. So I'm excited to do this because Superman 2 is my favorite. Superman 2 is the one that was my favorite superhero movie 
forever up until relatively recently and, and even still like i love it so much and it holds a special place in my heart and is just really really high up there um i am so thrilled to be back here in this seat with you talking to superman like i feel like uh cooking with gas here i hope people are having as much fun as i think you and i are having at least i'm having are you having fun I'm having a blast. It's so funny because yeah, I was if just you're like, not, oh, like, then sh- I have no real judge of character and that's troubling. <laughs> we should, we should, I was like, uh, you know, maybe we can get like an hour and a half out of this one and here we are at like, like two-ish two hours, hours somewhere in that range. Like whatever, I mean, who cares? It's you, Superman. Yeah, we haven't talked together in a while on a podcast. <laughs> this is fun. This is great. I'm having a good time. Um, yeah, I I am really, really, really uh, thrilled uh, to to be here in the Superman series with you. Everything is Superman. We're going to do Superman 2 next week. Some reminders that if you are uh, not yet satiated with Wiggler Mahadeo banter, you can sign up for the Post Show Recaps Patreon. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. Sign up at the $5 level. You will get access to our Post Show Recaps patron-only feed where we drop so many podcasts just for the patrons of Post Show Recaps. We are going to be releasing a podcast about Invincible, the Amazon superhero series that really flies uh, in complimentary style to a Superman conversation. So that's available to you in the Post Show Recaps patron feed. Check it out at patreon.com slash post show recaps. Sign up in May. Push us towards that 24 podcast. It's going to happen. Uh, we need to cross the 500 patron threshold here in May in order to unlock 24 season one. I believe in us. I think we can do it. Give it a shot. Support the podcast. If you are deriving joy and pleasure and meaning from these conversations, we highly encourage you to to get into the community. You will have a good time. You will not regret it at all. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. Kevin is on Twitter where do we find you? Uh, is it at Kev Mahadeo these days? Are you? Is that is that, that where the people find you on the internet? Correct. You can get me at Kev Mahadeo. Um, you can check out my website, themahadman.com. Still working on trying to update that regularly, but it's difficult. But you can check out some of my, speaking of comic book, comic book work that I've done on there. Some scripts that I write written for fun. Um, would really love people to check it out and uh, hopefully enjoy it. Uh, you can also, beyond seeing me on PSR, uh, check out every sunday um at 3 p.m pacific 6 p.m eastern i am doing a twitch stream uh twitchtv.com slash dm philly where i'm playing a tabletop rpg called kings of neon that has a little bit of noir superhero-ness to it um so if you are interested you can check that out uh where i'm joined by a number of people that are all uh psr patrons where we're playing this tabletop game and it is a blast having a really good time uh you can jump right in on it because we do a recap at the beginning of every episode so you'll never feel behind awesome so check that out i believe it's twitch.tv slash dm philly is where you can check out kings of neon see kevin as a superhero we know you want to do it go check it out support the show i'm at round howard you can find me on twitter you can find me in the poster recaps patron discord uh, I'll if I haven't done it, please someone nudge me. I'll post myself as a Superman on Instagram at Round Howard. We'll be back next week with Superman Two. Until then, everybody, up, up, and away! Okay, that's it.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.